I want to read the passage from uh, James that I read last week, and I think I may read this um, every Sunday that we are talking about faith and politics, because I think it's a good place for us to be in. It comes from James uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside of you, the very word that is able to save you. Hear these words this day and every uh, Sunday as we read them, and I hope that uh, you will uh, read those. Uh, read that passage along with the prayer that uh, you've been invited to uh, uh, pray. The uh, I, I love this passage of scripture. It reminds us to be quick to listen. In other words, uh, to be sure that we hear and understand what other people are saying and where they are coming from. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes when we hear this passage, um, we it, it says be slow to speak. It it does not say do not speak. And it definitely says, be slow to anger. Now, I got to tell you, as I have been struggling with the events uh, of the last few weeks uh, and with this uh, message, I have this internal struggle within me. How much um, needs to be confronted and how much needs to be in silence? Uh, How much more do I need to listen before I speak? Um, it is this internal struggle that, um, that I have because I remember the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, uh, simply to remain silent is to speak. Simply to take no action is to take action. And so there are some things upon which after we have listened, after we have discerned, after we have reflected, it is time to speak truth into the situation in which we find ourselves. And so uh, that is my goal today. Um, now, as I share these words, I, I want to um, I, I um, set some rules, if that's okay. Uh, number one, if you're listening to this message, um, you are not allowed to share this message with anybody who you think needs to hear it. You do not have permission to do that. You do not have permission to quote me because you think somebody else needs to hear what I say this day. Now, it is okay to share it with people if you say, man, this really spoke to me. Uh, This made me stop and think, and and you might want to hear this to reflect. In other words, it's okay to share this with people you know who think like you. Do not share it with people who don't think like you because you think that I am speaking to them. Is that clear? So in other words, if you come away from today and you think that I was speaking to them, you're wrong. If you come away from today thinking that um, I am speaking to you and me, you are correct. And I hope that as you hear these words, uh, you hear these words as not just coming from me, but we hear these as words of wisdom that come from God and from His Spirit in this day and in this time. As I read and and sought to listen and discern and take in as much information as I could uh, uh, this week, 
um, about the events of January 6th, which, uh, you know, is epiphany. I, I just I struggle with the reality that forever, when I think of epiphany, the, the vision of what happened on January 6th will be in my mind. And yet, maybe it needs to be. I have heard um, pastors, and, and even I think I have probably said this myself, um, in, in hoping to bring people together, in looking at this, and I do believe that most people seeing the events of not just January 6th, but seeing the events of, of this whole crazy COVID year, that, that people want to come together. But what I keep hearing um, from some folks and I am sure I have said this myself, is this is not who we are. This is not who we are. In fact, uh, um, Adam Hamilton got a group of uh, both Republicans and Democrats together from his congregation. He sat down, he listened to them, and, and he felt so much better after he heard them because he heard over and over again that they were saying, this is not who we are. I do believe this is not who we want to be. But I'm afraid we need to face reality. This is who we are. This is who we have become. Let us not fool ourselves. Because if we continue to say that the events that have happened is not who we are, if we do not own them, then we will never be able to move forward. This is who we are. But I got good news for you. Um... We aren't the only ones who found ourselves in this spot. Does that make you feel a little bit better? In fact, I can go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I don't know if you remember this story, but, but Samuel had been the prophet and the leader of the people. And um, uh, Samuel was getting old, and the people didn't care for his sons too much. And so they go to Samuel, and they say to Samuel, uh, Samuel, give us a king. Give us a king to judge us. Give us a king so we can be like everyone else. And Samuel goes, uh, this isn't a good idea, folks. Um, and he goes to God, and this is God's answer. Uh, found in 1 Samuel um, chapter 8, verse 7. The Lord answered Samuel, and he said, comply with the people's request. Everything they ask for... Be, um, I'm sorry, let's try this again. Comply with the people's request. Everything they ask for of you, comply with it. Because they haven't rejected you. No, they've rejected me as king over them. They are doing to you only what they've been doing to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to, the very, to this very minute, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. So comply with their request. But give them this clear warning, telling them how the king will rule over them and operate. And so Samuel explained everything that the Lord had said to, uh, said to him. He explained it to the people and he said, this is how the king will rule over you and operate. He will take your sons and he will use them for his chariots and his cavalry and the runners for his chariots. He will use them as his commanders of troops of 1,000 troops and 50 or to do the plowing of his harvesting, or to make his weapons, 
or parts of his chariot. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He will take your best fields, vineyards, olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will give one-tenth of your grain and your vineyards to his officials and servants. He will take your male and female servants along with the best of your cattle and donkeys and make them do his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks, and then you yourselves will become slaves. When the day comes, you will cry out because the king you chose for yourself. But on that day, the Lord won't answer you. But the people refused to listen. No, there must be a king over us. So we can be like the other nations, a king who will judge us and a king who will fight our battles. They got what they wished for. They got a king. They got many kings. The majority of those kings of the northern and the southern kingdom, uh, they were kings who did exactly as God told them they would do. They took advantage. They manipulated them. Uh, They... um, they led them to worship something other than God. Now, there were a few good kings, and we read about those in Scripture. And so, you see, this has been going on forever. But these are the kinds of things, in in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, um, he's talking to uh, folks and basically uh, uh, saying that we have turned away from God and beginning in uh, verse um, 28, he says these words, since they didn't think it was worthwhile to acknowledge God, God abandoned them to a defective mind and to inappropriate things. So they were filled with injustice, wicked behavior, greed and evil behavior. They were full of jealousy, murder, fighting, deception and malice. They slander people. They hate God. They are rude and proud and they brag. They invent ways to be evil and they, and they are disobedient to their parents. They are without understanding, disloyal, without affection. Though they know God's decisions, that, that those who are persistent in such practices deserve death, they not only keep doing these things, but they approve also approve others who practice them. I could also read from Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about uh, the fruits of the Spirit and it talks about uh, the fruits of of not following God, the fruit of following idols is that we are uh, become a divisive people. We become a people who are filled with anger and fighting and obsession and malice and group rivalry and slander and selfishness. Does that sound too familiar to us today? Does it not sound too much like the world that we live in? And this is what I want to suggest to us today, is this this, uh, um, idolatry. We often think of money and and other things that we hold up, our jobs, our positions. Uh, But I think... That is, I have observed over years, I think more and more in our society and in our world that our politics have become an idol. Our politics have become an idol. We want a king. We want a leader who will lead us, who will speak for us. You know, I've been a pastor for 15 years, and, and, 
And when folks come, um, often when folks come and they're trying to discern whether or not to join, now many folks will just come and say, I want to join the church. But if there are folks who uh, are, are questioning whether this is the right place for them, do you know the first question they often ask me? It is not, what do you think about God? Um, how do you speak about the love of God? What kind of mission stuff that you do? Often it's a question around politics. What do you think about abortion or what do you think about homosexuality? That's all they want to know. Tell me if you are a church that agrees with me or doesn't. In fact, I had someone call me in one church on a phone, and, and they asked me, they said, uh, well, well, what is your position on that? I need to make sure that uh, it agrees with my position. And I just flat out told them, I had probably having a bad day. I wasn't very pastoral. I just flat out told them, you're not going to like it here. <laughs> I did. I did that. Can you believe that? You're not going to like it here. I had lost my mind. Or maybe I was speaking the truth. Because if you're looking for a church or a pastor who is just going to tell you, you've already got all the truth, you got the wrong pastor. You better go looking for another one. Um, don't worry. Um, if you think that you have a pastor that thinks he knows all the truth and is going to tell you all the truth, you got the wrong pastor on that too. See, see, the point is, is, is that none of us have it all right. And, and so I'm absolutely positive if someone is calling and saying, I want to be sure you agree with me, this is what I'm certain of. At some point in time, I will say something from Scripture that I think is from Scripture, and they will disagree with me, and they will bolt out the door. That's sad, people. It is sad when we are unable to hear things that step on our toes, things that challenge us. We are unable to hear those things, and instead we want to run and find a place who will tell us, you were right. And guess what? Who has filled that void? I think political parties have filled that void, have they not? Um, I see over and over again how, how people are like, oh, um, uh, my political party like aligns with God perfectly. Really? Which, which party do you belong to? Because the two options I see, uh, I don't think so. But maybe you, my door's open. You are welcome to come and set me straight. I, I, I'd be glad to hear it. You see, I think our political parties have been, they become our kings. They become our kings. They become the people who speak for us. The people who say the things that we want to say. And sometimes they say them in a mean way and we silently go, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to say it that way, but I'm too much of a Christian to do that. I'm glad they said it that way. Yes? I hope y'all are nodding out there. I can't tell. Uh, Dustin, they are not tuning out, are they? Dustin and Matt, you all, oh, they're still there. Okay, good deal. If everybody tunes out online, Dustin, please let me know. I'm not exactly sure what I'm, I'll come to your house. Are you hearing me? 
Are you hearing me? What do we do with this, people? Our political affiliation has become more important than our connection to Christ. I'm afraid. We may not think so, but I think it requires us to like take a long, hard look. You know, the events uh, of this, uh, they were not a surprise. Unfortunately, a pastor in, uh, I think he's in Minnesota, Greg Boyd, who's a, a, a theologian and a, a scholar and a pastor, on Janu- in January 5th, 2020, he posted a blog that basically said, if I remember right, he was, he was warning us this whole thing where we have begun to question the validity of our, of our elections. He said, I, I, I could see where this could go. He goes, I could just imagine if, if, if one of the two, if the political party who lost insisted uh, that the election was a fraud and, and that either it was the Russians or it was Antifa or whoever the heck it was, if, if they begin to believe that um, the election is a fraud, then they might wa- march on Washington. He said, oh, I know this is hypothetical. I know this is probably not likely to happen. But we are treading on dangerous ground. How much of a prophet is Gregory Boyd this day? How much of a prophet is he this day? And, and, and for those who um, are on the, uh, the, the, the left, I guess, can I call you left and right? For those who are on the left and saying, yeah, yeah, those cotton-picking people on the right, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I'm not so sure if it hadn't been reversed, it would be a different crowd of people doing the same thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but the polarization that exists within our nation and our country and even within the body of Christ worries me. The most troubling images from January the 6th, they were not the storming of the Capitol. The most troubling images to me are the signs that said Jesus 2020 and Jesus saves. They are the signs that seem to insist that the actions were immoral actions of Christians following Jesus to take over the capital so their king could be king and their way could be the way. I still can't get those images out of my mind. So this sends a message. This sends a message to 80 million people that Jesus is storming the Capitol to overturn an election. Now you may not think of it that way, but boy, I could easily see. It sends a message to those who stand outside of Christianity that, that Christians have embraced this certain way. 
it sends a message to your brothers and sisters in this church that if they don't lean this way, they may not really be welcome or they're second-rate Christians. Now, i got to tell you, I've grown up in, in conservative areas, and so I have experienced things like that, mainly from conservative folks, people on the right, insisting their way is right, and that if you think differently, then you're not a Christian. That's what I've experienced because that's the places I've grown up in. I read over the last two weeks a, a pastor who pastors in uh, Seattle, and he assures me it's exactly the opposite there. Um, he assures me that it's exactly the opposite there, uh, that, uh, that um, it are, it's people on the left who tend to say, well, if you voted for Trump, you're just really, um, you know, it's questionable whether or not you're a Christian and, and uh, your salvation might be in question. What do we do with this? It is who we are, isn't it? It's not who we want to be. Don't misunderstand the two. It's not who we want to be, but it is who we have become. Our cry for a king. Give me a king. Give me a leader. Give me somebody who will make me belong, uh, who make me feel like I belong. Give me somebody who, who will uh, do things the way I want them done. Give me a king. What do we do? Where do we go? I think it does begin with us acknowledging. As much as I would like to believe that what happened in Washington, what happened other places, is just a result of, of far-right people or far-left people. It is just a result of the politicians and the games that they play, as much as I want to believe that. I'm afraid it's the opposite. I'm afraid they are a reflection of who we have become. A people that have really stopped seeking after God and God's ways. A people who have confused our desires and our wants with God's. A people who have confused our political ideology with God's agenda. I'm just telling you today, if you think your political party is the party of God, Come see me. Convince me you're right. I want to be a part of that party. So it begins with us acknowledging, I think, this is who we are. We have become an angry people. We have become a people. And, and you know how we know if we're participating in polit political idolatry? It's if we begin to have this, like, you can't criticize my team. You know, it, it's, it's become almost like sports. Don't you dare criticize the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the greatest football team. Yes? And, and it becomes this way with our political parties. Don't you dare say anything bad about my team when, when we can't even hear criticism of our side. Then we know that we're participating. When, when we are certain that all the problems in the world are because of those guys over there. 
we are in danger of participating in political idolatry. When all we can do is spout the virtues of those who think like us and the vices of those who don't. We're in a bad place, folks. When we begin to think that our side has all the answers and the other side is totally clueless, we are in danger of political idolatry. And worst of all, and this is what I've been seeing for months, when we begin to say, if you vote this way instead of my way, if you believe uh, this instead of what I believe, you are not a Christian. In fact, you hate God. I literally was told this on Facebook. If you do not believe as I believe, you are not a real Christian and your salvation may be in danger. If we begin to believe that everybody on the other side are atheist, ungodly people, we're practicing political idolatry. Have I missed anybody's toes yet? What do we do? Well, here's the reality. I can't change a single thing that's going on in Washington, D.C. I can cast my vote. I could post on Facebook for what good that would do. I have no idea. What are we to do? Maybe I should just throw my hands up in the air and say, this is who we are and this is who we will be. That would be practicing my own kind of idolatry, I think. See, it has to begin here. It has to begin in this local congregation. I can't influence a single thing that happens outside of Cameron. Well, maybe one or two things, not much. But, but you know what I'm saying? I can't make people sit down and begin to listen to each other. I can't make you all sit down and begin to listen to each other. But I can encourage you. And so this is what I want to invite you to do. As we continue to talk about faith and politics, let's stop crying out to God, give me a king. Let's acknowledge that the king has come. Let us seek after God's kingdom. Let us, as a community of faith, learn to come together despite our differences. Let us stop calling people in our own congregation who vote different than us. Let us stop calling them evil. Let us stop calling them not Christian. Whatever it is that we're calling them, let us stop. Why in the world would you allow somebody in Washington, D.C. or somebody who doesn't live in this community divide you from those that you have been in community with your whole life? Why would you do that? 
And so let us, let us begin here. See, that's all I can hope to affect. And so I invite you, give me that glimmer of hope that all is not lost. That indeed, though this may be who we are, it is not who we want to be, and we will work to be something different. We will work to be people that are described more like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is absolutely no law against things like this. May we seek to be the people of God. May we confess our political idolatry this day. May we turn to God again. May we reach out and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us so that our hatred and our anger and our tendency to divide everything of us versus them, our tendency uh, to root for our team and against the other team, all of those things are set aside and they are replaced with the fruits of the Spirit. Can we do that? Can we at least want to do that? Let us pray. Gracious God, you indeed are the creator of the world. You indeed are the king of kings. You are the one who shows us how to live life in its fullest. Draw us together as the body of Christ regardless of what our uh, political stances might be, that we might seek to hear you and your voice so that we might follow you more closely. So that when people see signs of Jesus saves, they will see a people who exhibit the fruits of your spirit. Fill us with that spirit this day. In Christ's name, amen.